Hey, you are listening to Oh Crap Parenting with me, your host, Jamie Gulacki. This is a podcast for conscious parents who drop the F-bomb a lot. Well, hello, friends. Welcome, welcome. So today I want to dive into planners, goals, habits. Now that we've cleared the New Year's resolution nonsense and that hype, let's look at 2023 and break some stuff down. I think more recently, my podcast has been a little adult focused and less strategies for kids and more strategies for adults. And this is on purpose. Across the board, what I am finding is that we need help. The parents, you guys, you are running the show. You have to be in tip-top shape. And I know I've talked about it before. These are the brutal years. The toddler years are brutal. Zero to five is like a blur. (laughs) And the problems get bigger, but you learn how to be a parent. Like it's the steepest learning curve in the world. And you you get good at it and you get better at it at least. (laughs) Maybe not good at it, you get better at it. And so when I'm working with families, it becomes increasingly obvious that we are the problem in almost all instances. It's our boundaries and often our lack of boundaries come out of trauma responses. Our lack of boundaries come out of being exhausted and not taking care of ourselves. And so we just have to be brutal and more intentional about caring for ourselves and taking care of our crap, taking care of the crap that's in our head, in our in our souls, and in our, our minds, and making sure we're tip top. And it is funny because I was talking to somebody last night at my archery club and they were like, wow, you know, how does it feel with Pascal driving? And I was like, God, it's like, it's the finish line. He's really kind of off on his own and it's the finish line. And I he said, I don't know how you did it. He said, I look at my grandkids and I just don't know how you did it as a single mom. And I said, you know, I don't even either. Like now that I'm actually getting a little respite and I can breathe and I'm like, oh my God, that was an intense 16 years. <laughs> you know, we got into a conversation about, it. I said, you know, I always took care of myself. Like I just always knew that I was top of the line. I was top of the food chain and everything else went from there. And that is why I tell you guys, like I harp on sleep. I harp on nutritious food because it is like training in those early years. Like you're in a marathon, man, and it's relentless. And so any deficiency, you know, you stay up late binging on Netflix with a bottle of wine and fuck, you pay for it a lot the next day. You know, it makes you short tempered. It makes you just not at your best parenting, you know? And so we have to be at our best. And I said, you know, everything else went. I didn't have a social life for a long time, you know, intermittently. Sometimes work suffered. Sometimes I'd barely be getting my podcast in just under the wire for, you know, the weekly deadline. And sometimes I let Instagram go for a couple of weeks without posting because it was like, take care of myself and then parent. And that was like bare bones, all I could do. And so now I kind of have all this time. But I wanted to talk about habits, goals, planners, because I do think we all run with an unconscious sort of guilt when we're not living up to our own potential. And we know that when we slag, when we consistently have something on our to-do list that doesn't get done, if we consistently feel like we're making bad choices in some area of our lives, if we somehow feel like, oh my God, I keep meaning to go for a daily walk and I can never find the time. These things, not only do they affect us by like not doing the thing, not going on the walk, but that nagging voice 
it can make you feel shitty and it can make you like wander through the day. If you, if you don't have like a, a purpose, sometimes we get lost. And I think that's how people get lost scrolling social media. There's sort of this nagging thing that like you're not doing all the things you could be or should be or whatever. And, and I don't think life has to be a litany of shoulds, but I do think that your shoulds, whatever that looks like, even if it's like, I want two hours free in the middle of the day so that I can scroll Instagram, I think that's perfect. So today I'm going to be quoting a lot. I'm going to be borrowing heavily from three of the most fantastic books I have read this year. So one is Atomic Habits by James Clear. If you haven't read it, I highly suggest it. It is literally the minutia of forming good habits. I read it when it first was published in 2018. I got it like hot off the press. And then I revisited it this past year and I still love it. Another book is The Comfort Crisis, and that's by Michael Eastern. I'm going to hopefully try to get him on the podcast. Amazing. An amazing book of how growth happens outside our comfort zone, but he weaves it into this story. So it's this like motivational book, but it's not just throwing motivation at you. It's like he weaves it into this killer story that makes it a page turner. And then the last book is Indistractable, which I just finished and I mentioned it, I think, at the tail end of the last podcast. And that is by Mir E-L, I think is how you say it, N-I-R-E-Y-A-L. And super actionable way to not distract yourself. And this book is fantastic. I, I don't think I've read a book that's so actionable in a while. Like he gives you apps to use, like how to use technology to shut down technology and how to manage your time. And one of the things he says is you really want to block out your day. You want to block out, you don't want anything to do. So it's widely recognized in like, entrepreneurs or like CEOs and powerhouse guys like that or or powerhouse girls <laughs> and then like is that you don't have a to-do list you have a schedule so and i have found this to be tremendously helpful so instead of making a to-do list i actually like schedule out things and in indistractable he says you know you really want to schedule out blocks of time but blocks of time for what you want to do if you want to take a nap just schedule it if you want to sit and pick your nose and stare out the window, just schedule it. That's also that it doesn't go by the wayside. So you get all the things you want in the day. Now, I have found that particularly challenging because there just always seems to be some shit that happens that I didn't expect. <laughs> like, like even yesterday, so Pascal had gone on a waterfowl hunt and he got a really rare bird. And so he wanted it mounted. And so we had to go to the taxidermist and the taxidermist is far. It's about an hour and a half drive. And we had a sleet kind of rain, weird rain and um, snow mix in the morning and the roads are really icy. So I was like, dude, you can't drive. I'm sorry, you can't drive. I got to drive you. And so he was going to go on his own and then I had to drive him. So that like shot my day. So the schedule block thing, I think when you have kids can be hard. But to me, the more interesting part was like, don't give up the things you love. If you need time to scroll Instagram, just make sure you schedule it and stick to the schedule. Or if again, if you want a nap or you want to walk, you have to kind of fit that in. So I think on January 1st, everybody like jumps in. And if you're a mom listening to this, I know you have a planner of some variety. So let's start there because there's so many planners out there and they're awesome if you find the right one. And I have a dear friend who loves 
colored pencil. She loves the very detailed planner where there might be meal planning included, uh, grocery lists, things to do today, things to do by the hour, these kinds of, of planners. And I have tried every freaking planner in the world and I need a calendar. I need a wall calendar with the blocks. If I can't see the entire month at a time, I cannot, my brain just jumbles. And I used to literally walk around. You know how they give you one, like, I don't know, my oil company for heat gives a free one there or church. Like there's always a free calendar floating around. I would walk around with that calendar in my purse. And I had never been able to go digital with a calendar. It has to be analog and it has to be the whole month available. And there are ones out there that have the whole month available, but between months, there's like a daily task thing or something like that. So none of these have ever worked for me and I have bought all the planners and I have tried. So I don't need a meal planning calendar. I don't need something with colored pencils. I tried it. I tried to be color coded for a little while. I just don't follow through with it. So I, what works for me is a moleskin. I like the moleskin, the like five by eight, I think. And it's got the dots inside, no lines, just dots. And I draw my own month. And so I have to, you know, sit down every once in a while and draw out the next few months, but that's what works for me. And that is my calendar, right? And I bought the size. I actually got a cool leather purse on Etsy and I got the size purse just because of the size moleskin. So I'm going to actually take this book with me to appointments. <laughs> and so it just doesn't work for me to do it on like Google calendar or, or digitally. And that is my daily calendar. Now everything gets kind of written in there, but now what's been happening, I have this intricate, intricate system. So every morning I write on a yellow legal pad. I write three morning pages. This is from the book, The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. It was written in 1994 and I've been doing this daily since 1994. It's yellow legal pad and it's stream of conscious writing. So I get up in the morning, I turn on my spectrum light <laughs> And I do three pages of brain drain, nonsense, stream of consciousness. And the theory is that when you dump this all on the page, you can open yourself up to new ideas, new creativity. It's a bitch. It's a rant. It can be anything. I personally immediately tear it out and throw it in the trash. I have no interest in my shitty thoughts. <laughs> this isn't a journal to me. This is just a brain drain. And it is where the idea for Oh Crap Potty Training came out of. It is many of my podcast ideas come out of these. And if I think I wrote something particularly brilliant, I will save it. So I have my yellow legal pad. And then also when I write out a podcast, which isn't often, I don't usually write them out. Sometimes I do like almost word for word so I don't get lost. But that's where some podcast ideas for recording day. <laughs> and then I have my moleskin, which is awesome. Then I have a little notebook with podcast and Instagram real ideas. Cause when those ideas hit, I need to write them down or I'll promptly forget. So the real ideas are at the back, starting at the back, going towards the middle and podcast ideas are at the front going towards the middle. And at some point they'll meet. And those are just ideas. Then I have a podcast and Instagram calendar. And that is one of those that is like the day by day. And I'll write, you know, what I plan to do, what I plan to release what I plan to release in the future, what interviews I'm looking for. I have a wish list of interviews. And so I have this like very intricate system. And there's also three pens involved. Well, there's a pencil, there's a gel pen and a different kind of pen. 
So this may seem excessive to you. However, it works second nature to me and it's how I keep all my various things organized. And the other reason I'm telling you this is find a planner that works for you. So if you find that things are slipping through the cracks, if you find that, you know, you guys are at the age, most of your kids by now are like toddlers, you just kind of have to plan play dates, you know, but I know the older your kids get, the more intense the schedule gets. So find something that works for you. And if it doesn't work for you, I want to tell you, you can draw, you can get a notebook and just make it your own. Oh, and then I have just a plain old notebook, like a 99 cent spiral bound notebook that is my daily to-do list. And that's sort of my schedule. And I'm trying to block things off like indistractable, that book said, I'm working up towards it. And I realize part of the issue is Maverick is just, he's just my biggest distraction right now. <laughs> yeah. So I, I take a couple of days a week and he's in daycare where I could just record and hopefully stick to the schedule. But also I think working from home and homeschooling is tremendously challenging for a schedule because you just kind of float. You're like, eh, you know, you tend to have like, I'll go get another cup of coffee. It's really easy to let things go. So that's planners. And so I just know that I can't be the only woman who has like 80,000 planners that just didn't work for her. I just, I can't imagine I am. So if that's you, don't feel bad. (laughs) Now, when we plan, it's usually because we have goals. It's not just our daily thing, but we want to start planning our goals. And I had mentioned, I think in the last podcast, like wintertime is an awful time. Somebody pointed this out to me. It is an awful time to set goals. It is a time of hibernation for most of us. It is a time of, especially if you're in the Northeast or or the Midwest, someplace where it snows and it's cold and you're inside. So it's it's not really a refreshing time to be like, oh, I'm going to be a a new person. (laughs) I'm going to do this now. Springtime is really more suited to that. But again, I like the clean slate of New Year's. And I, I do think it's a good idea to like reassess, like what worked last year, what didn't work. I know for me, I'm constantly... I have to use Instagram for work, but man, can I get stuck on that app? And I gave up Facebook because it was so mind-blowingly distracting to me, but Instagram is no different. And I have to search for like the reels, you know, for the audio. And anyway, it's helping me to have like a concrete amount of time to spend on. (laughs) So, you know, you want to look back and you want to evaluate like, hey, what worked? I know last year, one of the things that really worked for me was um that run of 75 hard going into the Spartan Beast and just made me realize how like little bits of just consistent working out, not necessarily hard, not going balls to the walls, not overtraining, but just these consistent showing up daily did far more for my fitness and my performance in the Spartan Beast than being not trained and being inconsistent and then pushing really hard. It was remarkable. And I I don't know if you guys remember if you listened to the episode, but I came in eighth in my age group without trying. And my friends and I stopped at every obstacle to go through them individually and take pictures. So if I had given it even an iota of effort, I could have been on the podium. And if you guys know me, you know I want to be on the podium. So that's happening this year. <laughs> and Pascal is going to do the beast with me, which will be great. But that was the biggest lesson of the year, I think, is small, consistent action. The other thing I learned with 75 Hard was reading 10 pages per the challenge rules is it should be nonfiction, but reading anything, 10 pages, I could not believe the books I went through. Number one, once I was sitting, I almost always read more than 10 pages and I haven't sat and read books in so long because it just, it's one of those things that goes by the wayside. I cannot read before bed. I'm asleep before my head hits the pillow, so I can't read before bed. 
So taking that time in the morning to read with my coffee was just stunning. But again, 10 pages isn't crazy. It was just this small, doable action every day. And so I look back and I go, okay, that worked. Like what didn't work? And you know, one of the things that didn't work is again, like Maverick, he's unpredictable. He's needy. He will lounge on the, we have a big beanbag chair. You know, he'll lounge on that all day till I start recording. Then all of a sudden he's over here needing me and wanting to play. So how did I fix that? Okay. I took, you know, he goes into daycare for two days. So I think the new year is a really great opportunity to evaluate like, okay, what do I want? Do I have any goals? Do I want to walk every day? Do I want to run some sort of race? Do I want to learn a new skill? Do I want to perfect a skill I have? Do I want to get out more, see more friends? I mean, there's whatever your goal is, did you manage to maintain it or to reach it in some degree? And again, these don't have to be lofty goals. It could be I don't know, make a nice breakfast for yourself every day. It could be, I'm a big fan of like, make sure you walk every day. I just think walking is like the best thing for you. So yeah, so whatever it is, did you accomplish it? One of the things I like about the comfort crisis, it's not really about setting goals and and habits and that kind of thing, but it really is, I have learned over the last five years since I started doing obstacle course racing, that everything exists outside your comfort zone, everything. It's just for, for me, it's the key to growth. I also think it's the key to staying level because when you, we just don't have obstacles, like many of us. I mean, yeah, you could have, you know, temporarily maybe you're out of a job and finances are, are tough. You could have, you know, having a toddler, I think is an obstacle, you know, or you might be sick or dealing with a puking baby. Like we do have these hard parts of life, but in general, we don't have these big obstacles. We're not facing famine. We're not running from the saber toothed tiger. So the obstacle course racing presents these obstacles for me. And what I have noticed is that over the years, the last five years, six years, nothing is a big deal. Like whatever happens, I'm like, okay, well, all right, that's what happened. You know, it's, we got to deal with it. And it just makes you more level and less likely to fly off the handle or to be catastrophic when something does go wrong. And so I highly recommend that book in setting goals, because I think we could all stretch our limits. And again, I do like cold plunging and man, that has changed me so drastically. I, you know, like I talked about with hormones, I've just managed my adrenaline and my cortisol. So I can manage that with breath work and it just has changed everything. So that's why I recommend that book. It's not particularly about how to achieve goals, but it might stretch you into goals that you may not have thought of. I really want to talk about atomic habits because I think James Clear really lays it out. And when we look at goals, oftentimes we set too lofty a goal, too unspecific a goal, or we try to do too much. And there are two areas in which this happens. So throughout my life, I've been a personal trainer and people will ask me, you know, Hey, can you train me? Or I, you know, I want to lose X amount of weight, or I want to gain X amount of muscle, or I'm training for a race. Can you train me? And they always start too big. Yeah. And another area where it happens is people like, how did you write a book? I am trying to write a book. How do you write a book? And they're like, okay, so I, I need to sit down and write 5,000 words today. And I'm like, 5,000 words is a lot if you're struggling. And so when people ask me about writing a book, I'll be like, well, maybe every day just attend to something, even if it's 
a new chapter title. Maybe it's two sentences. It doesn't always, I mean, there's going to be a push comes to shove if you want to write a book where you're going to have to put in some words, you know, just like there's going to come push to shove. If you want to run a race, you are going to have to put on some miles. But when you're first starting off, you want to start slow. You want to start with like baby steps and you want to create habits. So too many people look at the goal And again, a lot of times it's like, I want to be healthy or I want to get in shape, which is nowhere near specific enough. That's why I I gave you guys all that stuff about me and menopause and how I train and how I eat, because you have to be specific. I'm training to avoid autoimmune disease and for menopause. Like those are my goals so that whenever I get a little lost and I do, because I get crazy and I'm like, oh, I want to learn how to do, like right now I'm really into calisthenics and I'm like, oh, I want to learn how to do this calisthenic move. And I'm like, really? Is that going to... I mean, it's fun, but is that your goal? So that if I get lost and I start to do something else and I'm like, no, 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 no. Come back to what your specific goal is or make sure that whatever you're doing is feeding the goal. But what it comes down to is daily habits. And I think that's where most people get lost. And I think that's where most people don't know how to set up the right habits. So I kind of want to synopsize James Clear's book, Atomic Habits. And again, if you haven't read it, I just highly recommend it. It's, and I recommend the book because I've listened to the audiobook and I, I think it's hard to follow. You really, it's one of those that you want to mark up. You want to definitely come back to like certain sections of it. So he kind of breaks the book into four parts and this is how to change habits. And I just kind of want to run through them, paraphrasing them just so I think this is the most helpful thing when you have a goal, especially if you've had a goal that you just can't seem to attain or you can't seem to make the time for. So he breaks it into these four categories. And so it's make it obvious. You want to make your habit obvious. Oh, I should say he opens with like actually laying out your habits, because if you are unaware, habits become so routine that a lot of times we don't even realize them. You get out of bed. What's the first thing you do? I always have to pee, right? I pee. I go get my coffee. I set up my spectrum light. Like I don't even think about these things. You want to become aware of your habits because you may not even know like the crux of a bad habit lies in your daily habits and just kind of check like, is this serving me? He says something that there aren't good or bad habits. You don't have to label them. It's, is it effective? Is it bringing you towards what you want or is it not? And I find that's a really simple filter is like, is this bringing me closer to what I want or is it not? And I also like that there's, I think maybe him or Michael Easter comfort crisis. I can't remember. But you want to set up your identity. Is this, is this habit that I'm doing a reflection of the person I want to be? Right. So like if I'm going to bitch out a cashier because they're being not the sharpest knife in the drawer, like, is that reflective of who I want to be? Am I regularly cranky with people? Is that reflective of the person I want to be? I don't know. Is lounging on the couch reflective of the person I want to be training for a Spartan beast? And it may be, it may be a rest day, but maybe not. So I think those things help steer us as well. So becoming aware of your habits is number one. And a lot of people ask me how I maintain the discipline to get up at, you know, 345, four o'clock in the morning and work out hard. And I say, it's not a discipline. It's a habit. Like I'm not disciplined. I'm not motivated. I am not superwoman. It's just a habit. I get up 
after my morning routine, I put on my workout clothes and I do a hard workout. And that, whether it's at home, the gym or outside, it's just a habit. And that's the beauty of habits is you don't have to rely on self-control. You don't have to rely on motivation. Motivation will never get you what you want, ever. You can't rely on motivation because there will be too many times you're not motivated. <laughs> so after you become aware of your habits, then it's make it obvious, make it attractive, make it easy, and make it satisfying. So let's start with make it obvious. So one of the things, uh, Denis Dierdeau is was a philosopher who was, I think, an 18th, 1890s, 1800s. He was a French philosopher who was pretty broke. And then somebody bought all of his stuff and he had money and he had a daughter who was getting married and he could suddenly afford the wedding, but then he was able to afford a scarlet robe that was like luxurious for the wedding. And what happened is after he had got his robe, he realized how like shitty his whole environment was. And he was like, well, I need a new house. I need like, he needed new things because the scarlet robe sort of raised the level. This became known as the Deirdre effect, which is a, a marketing concept, a marketing concept. And it's the idea that buying one thing can trigger buying other things. So you know this, you buy a dress, you got to buy the shoes, the purse, the earrings, right? You got to, it has to match. But we do this. If one thing will start, if you buy a new couch, suddenly you look at your coffee table and you're like, well, shit, that looks like hell. Now I need a new coffee table, right? And so one purchase can trigger a lot of other purchases. And so this applies to habits because you want to stack your habits. So you want that cascade effect. Once you do one thing, it automatically sets into motion other things. And so what that looks like is say, after my coffee, I will meditate. So immediately you set up the habits that, you know, say you've been trying to meditate. Meditation's hard. Like, I think that's a big one where everybody thinks like, I'm going to learn how to meditate this year. <laughs> they don't because it's really hard. But you can meditate for like two or three minutes and even a minute. And that's how I learned how to meditate is I only made myself go for a minute because that probably comes under make it easy because otherwise I wouldn't do it. If I thought I had to meditate for an hour, I'd be like, yeah, no, I'm not good. <laughs> but what you want to do is time and location are really key when you're setting up this habit. So if it's meditate, like I will have my coffee at seven o'clock in the morning and then at 7.15, I will meditate at my desk. So you have a time and you have a location and you're stacking it. You always have your coffee right? So you're going to then stack the habit onto the end of the coffee so that you're doing two things. Yes. And if you're trying to say, go for your morning walk, you might say, after my coffee, I'm going to put on my running shoes. And maybe you keep your running shoes right by the coffee pot. Again, making it easy, making it obvious. Motivation matters less than your environment. So you want to set up your environment to, again, make it really obvious. If you want to practice guitar, more, put the guitar in the living room, maybe in the middle of the living room so that it's there, it's available. Environment really does matter and it matters in the negative. When I first read this book, I thought it was astounding. So one of the things I that was back in 2018 and I noticed I was always, every time I got onto Facebook, I would want a snack. It was really bizarre. I'd be like, oh my God, I want to eat. And I knew that it was Facebook. I knew it was the computer. I knew you don't, you really shouldn't be eating in front of the computer like that. And I knew it had a mindless quality to it. So I was like, huh. And then through this book, you know, especially noticing that environment matters both in the positive and in the negative, 
I started to look around at the environment and I realized I would keep a little snack cupboard for Pascal that I didn't enjoy those snacks, but he did. But I would want them when I sat down at the computer, but the little snack cupboard was right. That's where I sat with my computer. Well, I have a laptop. I can move. So I just moved. I moved my environment and I went somewhere else and like instantly I didn't feel like snacking. So I think that's a really powerful thing is like, the environment is so much more important than you might think. Again, positive. Mine was like a negative. I was trying to change a negative thing. But if you're trying to add a positive thing, you cannot rely on motivation. You have to set up your environment. You will hear people who say, you know, when they're trying to create, say, a gym habit or a morning walk, some people will sleep in their gym clothes. They're like, nope, I got to be up and ready. Other people will lay out their clothes with your walking shoes right by their bed. So it's really right there. Because if you get out of bed and you have to motivate yourself, nine out of 10 times, you're not going to do it. Motivation's way sketchy. <laughs> self-control, and this is where he says to self-control is a short-term strategy. You cannot rely on self-control, motivation, Sometimes you have to make the thing invisible. So temptation is often way harder to deal with than abstaining, right? And so just like, that's why they tell you if you're trying to change your eating habits, a lot of times just get rid of all the junk food because if it's there, temptation is hard. That's white knuckling it, you know, and and that's hard to do. And so you can't constantly rely on self-control. And I can't remember if it was in this book or something else, but like, willpower, self-control. And it's really, really shitty. It's like a battery and it wears out throughout the day. It's not a long-term strategy. So you want to set up your environment to take away the negatives yeah, and put the positives right in front of you and make it obvious. The next section of his book is make it attractive. The best way to do this is pair a need with a want. I'm sure we're all familiar with this. It's a mini reward system, right? So a lot of times for me, it's like, okay, record two podcasts, meet with two clients, and then you can have an hour on Instagram. Or you can spend an hour reading a fiction crappy drama. I like courtroom dramas. Or you can go for a walk or something like that. So I will pair the work with something that I really want to do. And so that adds a a nice little zing, yeah? (laughs) We have to recognize that our habits are often based in ancient desires. And he said they're modern day solutions to ancient desires. So I'll use my example because I've been vocal throughout this podcast. I like to scroll Instagram. That is a bonding. I want to know what's up with people. I like to see, did I get a lot of likes, right? That's social praise and acceptance, right? So there is a reason behind our habits, good or bad. And normally it's like, we want to belong. We want love. We want praise or honor or badges. And that's what's behind a lot of video game use. So it's really good to evaluate what is the actual need here? Is it on board? Is it on board? And I I just want something to do with my hands, with my eyes, or am I seeking? Am I on Instagram to fight with somebody? I don't do that. Or am I on to find my people to, you know, to find people who are running the Spartan beast and get some motivation from them, you know, so connect your habit to the actual underneath desire. And sometimes just that alone will bring so much awareness. You want to reframe some of your habits too, is like a lot of times we make our new habits drudgery. So like, let's say again, you want to go for a morning walk and you're tired, your alarm goes off and you're like, you know, I need to go for my morning walk. 
you might reframe it and you might say, I get to go for a morning walk. There are people all over the country right now, all over the world who may not be able to leave their house, who may not be able to get out of bed with working legs, who may not be able to go for a morning walk. I get to go for a morning walk. I think that's my favorite reframe of all time. And I love it. Sometimes I work with families and I work with dads who are exhausted with the mental load of protecting the family, of maybe being the breadwinner, of having to go and do the thing and maybe not get to spend as much time with their kids. And and this is a big reframe I use with dads like that because they say, you know, well, I have to do this. I have to do this. And no, no, you don't. You get to, but you don't have to. It's a choice. No, it's not a choice. Yeah, it is. People lose, leave their wife and kids all the time. People are shitty dads. People abandon their families and they go off and find another life. So you don't have to do this. You're choosing to do it and you get to. And that reframe helps so much in any, not just forming new habits, but in anything that we feel like might be drudgery. So if you feel like you're trying to create a new habit and, oh my God, I'm tired. I don't want to do this. You can reframe it. And he uses an example in the book of, I need to go for a run in the morning. I need to go for a run in the morning. Or you could say, woohoo, I'm going to go get faster today, right? Like that's a huge difference. And I don't know, I work really well with make it attractive because I work really well with that concept. I like to reframe things and make it like, oh my God, this is going to be the funnest thing ever. And then it is. (laughs) All right. The third thing he says is make it easy. Yeah. You want to make everything as easy as you can. And I think this is where it falls into biting off just a little bit as opposed to a huge chunk. So I love that he brings this up and it is that being in motion is not taking action. So what that is, is being in motion is planning, strategizing, figuring out the schedule, figuring out the clothing you might need for a certain activity. It's not doing the activity though too. And I started noticing this a long time ago as I was like, And I had a friend who wanted to run a marathon and she bought the fancy shoes and she bought the fancy, so many of the fancy things. (laughs) I was like, yeah, but you got to start running. And she was like, no, not yet. I need to like do a little bit more research. I think my stride might be off. I was like, all right, but like the marathon's coming. Like you got to start running. No, 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 not yet. I'm looking at hydration options. Like, And she didn't do the marathon because she did all the things, but she never did the running. And I see this happen. I have a, a dear friend who was paralyzed, paralyzed with research. It took her like four years to purchase a new car. And I was like, holy shit, I would have bought eight cars in return by this time. And granted, I am the opposite. I just jump into empty swimming pools all the time. But being in motion is not taking action. And I, this comes up a lot in potty training. I've actually worked with clients whose kids are older and they say, I was so busy trying to find the right way and doing all the research that like time went on and I ended up not potty training in the proper age range. So just be aware of that. Being in motion is fun. There's strategizing, there's planning, whatever it is, but it's not the thing. And in this case, make the thing easy. So if you have been trying to go for a morning walk, you can't find the time, you can't find the energy, whatever reason is coming up for you, promise yourself you'll get up and walk around your house. Everybody can do that. Promise yourself you'll get up and walk 10 minutes or maybe walk around the block. Start small so that you can do it and you can feel success. Because if you don't feel success, then you suck, right? And who wants to be in their own head sucking? In your own head, you should be fucking awesome. (laughs) Because 
the rest of the world's going to come at you. So you can't suck in your own head. It's not a good place to be. So you give yourself these small wins. And again, you're writing a book, write a few sentences, just attend to it daily and make sure that becomes the habit, not the walk. It's getting up and committing to something. So I have two stories on that. One, I had heard this story years before even James Clear wrote about it in his book. There's a famous dancer called Twyla Tharp, a modern dancer, and she lived in New York City and she went to the gym every morning. Gosh, I think she might, I don't even know if she's still alive, but if she is, she's very, very old. And even in her 70s, she would go to the gym every day for two hours and lift weights and work out. And it was an interview and a reporter had asked her, a journalist had asked her, you know, wow, that's so dedicated. Like you get up and how do you have the motivation or that's quite a discipline. And so she said, no, 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 it's not the workout. It's calling the cab to go to the gym. That's the habit, not going to the gym. Once she gets to the gym, the action is in motion. Yes. But it's calling the cab that is the action and making it easy. Now, back in 2000, I think it might've been 2017, maybe 2016. I decided I wanted to run. I am not a runner. I have run two marathons in my life prior to the obstacle course racing, but they were more born out of, I didn't train. One was I did a marathon in New Orleans and I literally smoked a cigarette after I crossed the finish line. Like I did not train. It was more like I was grumpy and I thought I could do it. And I was like, yeah, whatever, you stupid people training. I don't have to train. My body hurt for a very long time. I do not recommend this strategy. <laughs> but anyway, I'm not a runner. I don't like to run. I hate to run. And so I lived in Providence at the time and I lived by Providence College and they had a track. And I said, you know what? F this, I'm going to become a runner. I want to become a runner. So I made myself go to the track every day and walk, run three miles. And it could be any version of that. Maybe it was running a couple of strides, walking mostly, but I had to get there. I had to jog or run at some point. But what was miraculous that I didn't know, but this was so miraculous, is on days I didn't feel like going, I said, you have to get to the track. I don't care what you do when you get to the track, but if you don't go to the track, you will lose this momentum. So every day, no matter what, I got up and I went to the track and I always ended up doing the run because once you're there, you're in motion and the motion is towards action. Yes. And so that to me was like, I kind of figured this out even before reading Atomic Habits. And I was like, yes, that's the key thing, right? Is like commit to getting to the track. After that, I don't even have to think about the run. And the hard part was getting to the track. So breaking down whatever is kind of in the way, right? You know you're going to enjoy your morning walk. You know that meditation will help you. You know that learning an instrument will be interesting and fun and help your brain. Whatever it is you're looking to do. But what's in your way? What's the step before the thing? And I think that really helps because then you can show up. You say, I put on my walking shoes. Right now you got your walking shoes next to your morning coffee. Remember at the beginning, now you put on your walking shoes. What are you going to do? Not walk. You got the shoes on, right? So it just makes it that much easier. Okay. And then the last one is make it satisfying. And again, I am good at this one because I like gold stars, but what we have to differentiate is immediate versus delayed gratification. I think this particularly comes into if you are attempting to change your body change your performance, any sort of like losing weight, gaining muscle, changing body composition, or achieving some sort of physical goal. I just see this time and time again. And it cracks me up. Of course, I do like this 75 hard and I belong to this. I have a dummy Facebook account. I belong to a couple of groups. And so 
I belong to this 75 hard group. And of course, on January 1st, everybody went in gung ho. And people were like, I'm four days in and the scale hasn't moved. I'm four days in and my heart rate's not changed. And I'm like, holy crap, have we gotten used to instant gratification so much that like we can't, the delayed gratification is almost painful for us these days. So we have to be cautious of that because especially body changes, again, learning an instrument, learning a language, we get so impatient if it's not right now. So be aware of that. But then what you do have to do is maybe sort of set up some sort of gratification in the short term. And so we know these things. Unfortunately, a lot of people like say, say people start to work out and then they reward themselves with like a candy bar. I don't know if that's going to get you towards your goals, you know, so you want to make sure it's aligned. But a lot of people say, hey, I took my morning walk seven days in a row. I'm going to book a massage for myself. For me, that's always a little too delayed. Believe it or not, this is ridiculous. I work really well with gold stars. So I will put gold stars on the calendar. (laughs) I will put gold stars next to my habits that I'm trying to change. And I just love gold stars. You want to set something up short term to kind of reward yourself, make it satisfying in the short term so you can hang on to that delayed gratification. And again, these things come into like learning something or like changing something, particularly particularly your body slash performance. I think that's just really interesting to look at our habits and how habits come before goals. Because otherwise, if you just say, I, I want to eat healthy, what does that mean? What is that set up? It might be like, okay, I'm going to I'm not going to eat any processed food, or maybe it looks like I'm going to fill my plate first with vegetables and protein and, and then maybe eat dessert or whatever. It could be something like that. You want to make sure that your habits and your goals align and that the habits come before the goals. And then of course, what comes in is habit tracking. So how do you keep track? Because these things get away from us. And I am always astounded. This happens for me and trying to keep up with Instagram. I will slack on one day, like I'll forget to post or the day just gets too busy and I forget to do a reel. And then all of a sudden I realize it's been six days since I posted. And so for me, that's like a, that has to be a habit for me. That's my job. I I get a lot of community from that, but I also get a lot of business from that. So like I should have better habits. So you have to track your habits because otherwise they slip away from you. And in fact, I love to sauna and cold plunge, but I just looked at my habit tracker and I haven't done that in a week. And I'm like, oh my God, how did a week go by and I didn't sauna or cold plunge? So habit tracking, you can use anything. They have apps. Again, I like analog and I happen to buy, James Clear has a Atomic Habits journal that goes along with the book. It's pretty extensive. I don't know if I'll keep up with it, but there's this one part of it that I just love. And it's a blank page with like, the numbers go horizontally of the month, the days of the month. And then you put your habits on the side or what you want to do, what these habits are. And then you just put a little X. It's just a little tiny spot and you just put a little X. But for me, the analog visual of X's is so satisfying. And then like, so for me, I want to practice my bow every single day. So what happens is I had like, all these X's. And the other day it was storming, it was raining, but I didn't want to leave that space empty. It needed an X. So I went out and practiced archery in the rain and it was great. So for me, that works. I love that. I love the visual of seeing 
I did it this many days. Oh no, there's a hole. What happened? Did I slack? And so that works well with me. But sometimes I think it's knowing your personality, knowing what works for you or a visual person, maybe an app works for you. My son is born in the digital age. He wants it all on an app. He has no patience for analog tracking whatsoever. Although I am happy to say he started making lists and he does quite enjoy crossing things off. I don't know. I know I'm not the only person because people talk about it online, but I like crossing things off so much that if I do something that wasn't on the list, I'll put it on the list and then cross it off. I know you people are out there. I know you're like me. All right. This was much longer than I intended. I hope that is helpful to sort of, again, don't be setting lofty goals right now. Like sit on it, like really evaluate your year and see like, what worked? What do I want to change? Is there something I want to learn? Is there something I want to do? Is there something that I've been putting off? You know what I mean? And so don't go big, go small and figure out your habits first. And if you, you know, need any help, reach out. I would love to continue this conversation. As always, you guys, I appreciate you. I appreciate you listening and I hope you have a rocking day. Okay. Bye everyone. Just a reminder, if you need additional resources, I have Oh Crap Potty Training. I have Oh Crap, I Have a Toddler. Those books are available everywhere you want to find a book. (laughs) You can also go to my website, jamieglowacki.com, where you can book private sessions with me, buy any of my courses. Those are really geared towards potty training help. And also I'm on Instagram. I'm not on Facebook anymore and I'm not on Twitter. I'm on Instagram, jamie.glowacki, and I do a lot of lives and uh, usually posting a lot of good information. So those are extra resources for you. And as always, rock on. Have an awesome day.